0: Bye. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical LibroCubicularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the LibroCuba. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical LibroCubicularist. Today, my friends, is Movie Monday. Move over Monday very slightly. Just enough to fit movie movies, into to you. What? Yeah. Something I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers, and I do feel that on a Movie Monday in particular, that is a very important warning, and so I stress it thusly. Stress. Spoilery. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is one million dollars. <laughs> ha! No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, as that is what helps others find podcasts. Thank you for those who have done so. Very, very Going to go ahead and throw one more. Very much appreciated. It is. That will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related business. Which is today's sponsor, which is McAllister Brand Child Leash and Subcutaneous GPS Chip. Once again, today's sponsor is McAllister Brand Child Leash and Subcutaneous GPS Chip. Thank you to them. Very, very much appreciated for your sponsorship. Keeping that money rolling in. Rolling in. Because, well, it's like pennies, and pennies roll. Yeah, if, if you want to go blowing in, that's probably better, just for the reason that that would indicate it is bills, which could blow, whereas uh, change rolls. Hmm. Yeah, that's a way to look at it. Today I have four. Count them. Well, no need to count them. Just trust me on this. There's four movies that I'm going to talk about today, so why don't I hop right in my uh, sort of plan, and we'll see how it works out is two on the way to work and two on the way home. So, movie, the first, is a documentary called Room 237. I uh, may have heard of this. I think it's uh, pretty, pretty popular, exploding onto the movie scene. Available on Netflix, I should say. And uh, why don't I, so I don't forget? Because I have a feeling I'm in a forgetful mood, because I haven't recorded a podcast in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, give out my rating of 4 to 5 out of 5. Very, very much enjoyed this. Uh, the way in which it was filmed and learned a shit ton of things that I did not before, did not know beforehand, which I think is kind of the whole idea of a documentary. Uh, so it's about The Shining, the movie. Not really the book. Uh, not the book at all. They touch on kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of just that there are so many differences between movie and book, and point out that Stephen King is not a big fan of said differences, which I I suppose makes sense, taking his work and changing it fairly radically, as you will know, if you listen to two somewhat recent podcasts, uh, one in which I read the book, The Shining, and one in which I watched the movie re-re-re-re-re-watch re, the movie The Shining. You can go ahead and listen to those if you like and hear some of the said differences between each. Probably the book one is where I'm pointing out more differences than the movie one. Maybe I will have a link to that episode within the description of this. You don't know. You don't know. Anything can happen. Uh, this is not really... <sighs> It's about the movie in one regard it's not really like a behind the scenes or how it was made or anything like that that you would expect a documentary of a movie to be like no uh it's rather about all the sort of many multitude of I guess the only way to say it is the conspiracy theories around the making of this movie very very interesting things that I think next time I do watch the shining couple of years down the road since I recently saw it and I usually spread out my viewings at least a couple of years. Uh, I think I'll probably notice these things more whereas before I just sort of treated it as a scary scary movie which is kind of just what it is on the surface but uh, as soon as you scratch it even just a little bit it uh, changes into something much much more. Uh, I think what I've done for the purposes of our talk here is basically just written down some of the conspiracies around this movie, and uh, maybe we'll dig into that a little bit. That is my plan. For example, the first one is, for me, I think seems to be almost the most likely one, and it is the uh, Native American conspiracy Mm, about the conquest and outright slaughter, basically. Of the uh, Native Americans. Yeah. Uh, I have to stop momentarily to get a little of the old gasoline. Oh, you know what? Scratch that. I'm going to stop at the next station because uh, I have lottery tickets. I want to see if I'm a wiener. So uh, I'll let you know that too. Exciting. Anyways, uh, yeah. So they point out so, so very many things like uh, there's this brand of baking soda that has an Indian on it. Uh, there's Indians on various art around the walls, there's even uh, a little speech at the beginning about how it's sort of believed it's built on an Indian burial ground, and just little things pop up very, very frequently to point in this direction. And I think, just kind of think, more than any of the other conspiracies that they talk about, this one kind of has the feel that they're not stretching. Whereas with, say, the next one, that uh, that it's all about the Nazi Holocaust,
1: that one
0: feels like sometimes they were reaching a little bit more, especially when it came to numbers, like uh, room 237, which is the sort of famous room from this movie where uh, scary, scary shit goes down. What was it, 2 plus 3 plus 7 or 2 times 3 plus 7? I-, I don't re- remember what it was, but they made it equal... The the year in which the first Jewish people were slaughtered in concentration camps, or something along those lines. And if it was like an exact date to when that happened and corresponded, but it was a year, so uh, I feel like that's a bit of a stretch, I don't know. Anyways, um, it's too bad that Stanley Kubrick is no longer with us, because we could just ask him. And he he died in the 90s, so I'm kind of surprised people didn't hound him about this kind of thing, because it sounds like... These are not new thoughts, these are things that people have thought for a long time, that there's a lot of hidden subliminal shit going on in this movie. For example, with regards to Kubrick himself, uh, people who believe that man did not land on the moon, those crazy ones, my stepdad, for example, oh god, don't, don't get him started on that, let's just say. Anyways, uh, a lot of people believe that the filming of that footage that we all have seen Uh, was done by Stanley Kubrick, just because 2001 Space Odyssey came out right around the same time, and it's almost like if he could do that movie, he could easily do this, that sort of thought there. Uh, And they did point out a few things that were, at at the very least, interesting, like uh, Danny Torrance's sweater that had the space rocket on it, just sort of as a for example. There's the layout of the hotel uh, that could not exist in the actual real existing world because it's just so crazily set up uh, and give a crazy amount of evidence towards that, that filming sort of shots from different angles would make certain areas of the hotel, uh, impossible to exist. Almost uh, TARDIS-like in the sense that bigger in some areas, some rooms don't exist or would be impossible to actually exist but uh, do in other scenes, that sort of idea. Very, very interesting. A lot of inconsistencies in the continuity as well. Now, uh, before I stop and get gas and finish up that talk, uh, I just wanted to throw out the thought, and I think maybe even someone in the film did throw out this thought, that potentially, potentially, none of this means anything. Not a goddamn thing. Potentially, Stanley Kubrick filmed a movie, and it's a scary movie, and people really like it. And end of, end of discussion. And all these sort of little tidbits are just people watching it over and over again and pulling these little things out that may or may not mean anything. And I kind of like that idea that potentially the possibility exists that none of this means anything at all. And this whole movie is devoted to conspiracies that are not, in fact, there. Folks, stopping, getting gas, or as we say in Canada, go-go juice. We call it Go-Go Juice. Do not question my saying that. It is, of course, true. Back in a moment. Editing. 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 On the road again. The road again. The road again. That was the On the Road Again remix. Thank you for that voice box. Movie box, even. Movie the second is coincidentally the second in a series of movies, movies with the title Home Alone. So in this case, Home Alone 2, colon, Lost in New York. Ooh! Uh, it will come as no surprise that over the holidays, there are a metric poop-ton of holiday-themed movies on the television, this being one of them, that the missus and I watched, no less. No less! Um... I think I should say right off the bat that I have seen this movie, everyone's seen this movie, but I kind of don't think it's, um, is standing up very well at all from my previous viewing, presumably as a young child, perhaps. Maybe I saw this as a child. Uh, on that note, I'm going to go two, two out of five, maybe some three moments I think one four moment. And let me tell you what the four moment is. The, uh, what are their names? (laughs) I can't even remember. Merv and... Anyways, Pesci and Daniel Stern. How about? They, uh, they had just completed their bank robbery, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. And Kevin McAllister was taking pictures of them and says, smile, or say cheese, or something to that effect, and they actually do. And that part I got a good laugh out of. Because it was very, very dumb. Other than that, just a lot of inconsistencies in this movie. Starting with the basic premise. Uh, home Alone 1, sure, you forget your kid at home. It's, uh, it's a hectic day. It's going to happen. It probably has happened. That being said, if presumably this is the next year. Or do we skip a year? Uh, I don't know, never says. But presumably it's the next year. That same kid you're going to be extra, extra careful with, are you not? Like, careful to, to the degree where the missus and I were saying, this kid needs one of those child leashes. Needs to be on a leash. So the premise, I'm not buying right off the bat. Now, there's things sort of thrown in the way to explain this away. For example, oh, there's my dad. He just got on that plane. Oh, uh, I dropped my ticket. It's among all these tickets. Too bad we don't have time for a look at it. And then the stewardess takes this kid on the plane and Kevin says, of course, yep, that's my dad right over there. Um, does he look at his face? No, he looks at the back of his head. I'd know the back of my dad's head anywhere, he says. He doesn't say that, but that is the implication. So that's, uh, that's pretty ridiculous right there. And if that is ridiculous, that means the whole movie cannot happen. So uh, I kind of didn't like it. Now, for the purposes of, I suppose, quote-unquote comedy, of the slapstick variety, and let's just say on that note, if you like slapstick comedy, just watch Three Stooges, because their stories are ridiculous and meant to be so, whereas this is trying to make sense of a ridiculous story, which uh, I don't like. I don't really like. So uh, the slapstick actually is pretty late into the movie where I felt like in the first one. And again, it's been a little while since I've seen the first one. I felt like it hopped in a lot quicker. Whereas this, it's like the last quarter of the movie and everything else is just build up to that, which that's, that's what I came for. I came to see, uh, Pesci and Daniel Stern trying to get into this building where Kevin McAllister is trying to not necessarily in this case, keep them out, but, um, for all intents and purposes, kill them. Yeah, like, I don't know how... That's some of the other sort of blatant inconsistencies. Specifically, I think, in the case of Daniel Stern, where a lot of the shit that happens to him that is caused by Kevin uh, would kill you. Would, would if you were an actual not cartoon... <laughs> not cartoonized version of a human being, you would be dead several times over. A little less so on just Joe Pesci. Probably still be dead multiple times. So, I don't know if that's a holiday message you want to get across to people. Hmm, strange. There is, of course, an appearance of the bird lady. Uh Uh-huh. This is a lady who lives in Central Park who uh, talks to birds psychically. That's what I'm going to assume. There's some sort of, within this movie, psychic bird talk. Which uh, I do believe was in a Stephen King movie. No? Okay, never mind. Strike that from the record. Uh, Further inconsistencies come in the story in the form of uh, Pesci and Stern are robbers. Okay, yeah, that I get. They figure out that robbing a toy store during Christmas is a good idea. Hmm. Okay, well, yeah, okay, sure, what? eh? Now, the reason this is a good idea, I should have perhaps done a little research into, is that uh, banks are closed... So they can't get the money from from all the money they made from uh, selling on Christmas Eve to the bank. Uh, so it has to stay in the store. Hmm, yeah. Okay. Sure. Whatever. Now, does it stay in the store within a safe? No, it stays in both the cash register and a giant glass box because that makes sense. It doesn't make sense. Now, Kevin McAllister does not want to let. These guys robbed this toy store for the reason that all this money is going to charity. So why don't they give it to the charity and let the charity worry about keeping it safe for that one night? Okay, whatever, whatever. Uh, now, I'm going to have to suspend my disbelief even further by somehow, some way, not believing that Kevin calling the cops would work to fort these criminals. He could not say, Hello, police, I'd like to make an anonymous tip. Hell, use that recording device that makes his voice sound deeper, that he used to get his hotel room, use that to make a tip that this store's going to be robbed by these two people, go check it out, movie over there. Well, I guess that's why he didn't do it that way, because that would be the end of the movie. Hell, the movie shouldn't even be happening for the reason that he shouldn't be on the wrong plane, because the stewardess is not going to say, oh, that's the back of your dad's head, okay, well, I'll just leave you on this plane to friggin' New York. New York City, because you said that's your dad's head without going to talk to him. <sighs> uh I think I've decided, after both seeing this movie and my talk right here, that I never have to see this movie again. I know what it's all about. Home Alone, the first one, yeah, maybe I'll watch that again uh, on a Christmas feeling in the Christmas mood. Home Alone Two will never be a movie that I watch again. Yeah, it's uh, it kind of over the course of this talk angered me a little bit that uh, this made it into an actual, factual um, movie experience. So, two out of five. Bah, and humbug even. (laughs) All right, folks, i just about at work, so uh, I don't have time to get in in another movie, so I will wrap it up for now. But we'll be back for two more. Why don't I tease them? Although that makes zero sense, because for you, it will only be seconds before I start talking about... The to-do list, as well as red two. Oh, wow, interesting! Interesting. That will, of course, leave one final thing to say, which is. Oh my gawp! Look at her butt! Don't you know who I am, Princess Bubblegum? I'm a fool to do your dirty Working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back, we are back, we are back, 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 we are back, back in action! Hello again! Eight hours of work completed, no less. Let's give you the weather report, although that makes zero sense for the reason that I'm giving you the weather report many, many, many days before this episode will be post. So, if you cared what the weather was like on the day that I post this, it will make sense, but the odds of you carrying are slim. They're both a fat chance and a a slim chance when you think about it. However, I will say it's minus 13, and that is cold. Thus concludes the weather report. Oh, minus 14, probably because I'm going pretty fast right now. It's one of those days where You take a couple of breaths into your nose, and it's immediately, like, sticking. Immediate sticking together of nostrils. Brr. I don't mind it, though. It's uh, refreshing. And you know what? I think it's also too cold to snow. So uh, that's also, in my books, a good thing. Okay, anyways. (laughs) Really should not mention it at all. It's stupid of me to do so, but I'm an idiot. The to-do list. A delightful comedy romp. Sort of has a very, very 80s vibe to it for the reason that it takes place in um, the 80s. Or is it 90s? Oh, shit. I didn't, uh... Yeah, I didn't write it down. (laughs) Anyways, it's not current day. stars a Miss Aubrey Plaza, who I'm a huge fan of. Know her from Parks and Recs and various other... Recs? Parks and Recs? Parks Unwrapped, as well as uh, various other things. Usually, when she is in movies, it's kind of a, the smaller role. But for me, she she kind of always steals the show, and I'm just a huge fan of her her comedy stylings. Let's say so. When I saw previews for this quite a whiles back, and saw that this is sort of her movie, her joint, if you will, I knew it would be something I would eventually watch, and that is just what I have done. Yeah. She's good. She's very, very good in it, and I like her. One of definitely the funniest uh, women existing today, I think it is safe to say. And that rhymes, and you know it rhymes. She plays a young woman who has just graduated valedictorian from her high school, and this movie takes place sort of between uh, high school and college during that fateful summer in 1980 or 90-something, 90, 80, I can't actually remember. It's a period piece. So she's a bit of a, a nerdy, losery, virginess type. Definitely emphasis on the virgin. And um, before she goes to college, she decides that she doesn't want to be this um, person anymore and she wants to experience life with specific- specificity. Uh huh. Uh, with regards to sex and acts surrounding sex this is a very very sexual and graphic list that she creates uh, this movie gotta be rated R I assume just from this list alone Blowjobs, jobs hand jobs various other jobs I don't remember if it had foot job on it to, now that I think about it but it was a pretty sizable list and it uh, it growed it growed <laughs> Yes, it growed, and things were added and changed, and I don't think anything was taken away, but she was goddamn well going to get these things done. What I've done, for the purposes of our talk here, it appears, is written down uh, some of the other stars of this movie, and we'll see where that takes us. Stars such as Aliyah Shawcat, who, you may know, from uh, Arrested Development, where she plays, maybe, Fuke. Uh, again, seen her in quite a few things. Not Maybe not as many as Aubrey Plaza, but, uh, but a sizable number of comedy things lately as well. And uh, very, very funny. And I think that these two are sort of buddies, potentially, from the making of this movie. One of the reasons that I am making that assumption is because... Uh, and I kind of don't remember if I brought this back on a internet day... Uh, saw these two on an episode of Getting High with Doug. And I think it was the first time he had two guests on at once. It was it was these two lovely ladies who apparently uh, enjoy the partaking of weed. <laughs> they were funny on this too. And it was just sort of like the interaction between them as well as them with Doug that you kind of get the impression that they are friends in real life which I assume makes sense for the reason that they are going on the internet and smoking weed together. So, That's got to be a sort of common footing, the fact that they are in the same movie together with one another. Uh, Both have been on incredibly popular television shows, in Aubrey's case, still on a television show, and uh, both partake of the weeds. So uh, I I like that kind of thought that they're buds. They're buds! Uh, Bill Hader plays a... uh, I guess a manager of a public pool, which I can't imagine you're making much money doing that, which makes sense because he lives at the public pool. And i give a little bit of a spoiler here. Not really a plot spoiler, but a spoiler nonetheless. And that is the fact that he does not know how to swim. (laughs) A manager of a public pool does not know how to swim. Comedy! Comedy is what that is. This is where Aubrey's working over the course of the summer. I guess she already had the job, but then keeps it, thinking that it's going to help her get her sexual urges and list on, huh? Yeah. Ooh, uh, Rachel Bilson plays her sister, and my God. My God. That's all I'm going to say about her. Yeah. I don't have time to get into too much detail, just other than to say, Rachel Bilson, my God, in this movie... Donald Glover, uh, a gentleman working at the pool. You will know him, possibly, potentially, from the television show Community. Uh, And that's what this movie kind of has the feel of. Huh? Community. Yeah, what nice segue. Ah, pretty good. I didn't have that written down. That's just right off the top of my head. So good. So very, very good. Anyways, it it felt like um, a lot of the people in this movie are from a sort of same generation of comedy... Uh, young people. Like, they're not kids. They're, geez, are they? It's hard to tell how old they are. Like, I don't know how old Donald Glover is or Aubrey Plaza is or uh, Aaliyah Showcat is, for that matter. I get the feeling that they're young, but I also get the feeling that they are actors and actresses who potentially are actually closer to my own age, which is 32. So it's kind of hard to tell. We actually can throw into that, same scenario, a uh, McLovin. Oh, I didn't write (laughs) I just wrote down his name from Superbad. I didn't write down the actor's name. And uh, because of the name curse, that prevents me from remembering names. I don't remember his actual name. But McLovin from Superbad. He's, uh, see, he's got to be close to my age, I assume. But he's got that face where, along with the rest of them, they can play people just graduating from high school, and uh, you, you buy it, you believe it. For rating-wise of this movie, I'm going to go definite solid, very, very solid four out of five, some five out of five laugh moments. Definitely, I, I enjoyed it very much. Something I like about it is it didn't follow that sort of, well, I guess maybe a little bit at that. The, the sort of usual comedy formula of uh, people hating each other off the bat and then developing a respect or even a love. And then something happens, and they fall out of respect and love, and then at the end of the movie, they are back in love again. Mm-hmm. Stronger than ever. Mm-hmm. That is the usual comedy formula, and this does have just a very, very slight tinge of that with regards to uh, Aubrey Plaza and her friends. There is a little bit of that, because the the list sort of drives a wedge between them for the reason that they think she's a little on the slutty side, which uh, <laughs> if you see those list and witness some of the things that she does on this list, which you do not 100% graphically but uh, presumed graphically, how about if such a thing exists it has the presumption of graphicness if you will, yeah a lot of that Hence the, I assume, rating of R. Gotta be, gotta be. Okay, so let's move on to the final film. Although, before I do, I'm just going to give myself a brief mental note there that the uh, presumption of graphicness may be a good title for this episode. I kind of like that. I like somewhat made-up words within my title. Uh, If you look back at previous titles, you will see that is a somewhat common theme. Presumption—that is a word. Graphicness—I do not believe is a word. So uh, that may find its word in—that may find its word in there. That's not uh, making up words there too. As well, uh, I've kind of realized that I've done that a lot, and probably made-up words do not come up in searches uh, very well. Which is probably not smart of me, but neither is potentially. The title of this podcast, Lackadaisical Librocubriculus, because Librocubriculus, despite the fact that it is a word, uh, is not an easy-to-type word. So, is that smart of me? I don't know. I do know that if you type in Librocubriculus into Google, um, I think I'm in the first like page or two of this podcast. Definitely, if you throw the word podcast in there, I know I'm on the first page. Anyways, picking a word that is a word that is not used very often, uh, I suppose there is potentially logic in that. Anyways, we're not here to talk about this podcast and titles of things and words. We're not here to talk about words. We're here to use words to talk. Talk about movies like Red 2. Red 2. This is number two in, apparently, the Red series series. Which is a cross a little bit between a action and a comedy, higher, much much higher I would say on the action side of things, but with enough comedy to make me say the distinction that there is comedy genes within this series. Yeah, how about how about that for convoluted? Uh, rating wise, I think if you're looking for just action or just comedy, you're going to be disappointed, because neither is particularly strong in this. Probably the action is stronger than the comedy. A little bit. A little bit. But uh, I, I enjoy the series, and I think, and I'm saying I think because I don't remember 100% the original Red. I know I did see it. I don't remember the story or what happened in it or the acting or whatever. Uh, I think I like this one better. So... I'm going to go uh, another solid four out of five. Yeah. I think, perhaps, one of the reasons I enjoyed it mo- more is for uh, Mary Louise Parker, who plays Bruce Willis's wife. Mary Louise Parker, who you may know from the television show Weeds. The television show Weeds, which you may know if you are a regular listener of this podcast. I brought it back on quite a few... TV Tuesdays quite a few uh, months ago a huge huge fan of the show weeds and uh, her in particular so uh, to see her in this movie and have a fairly sizable role was uh, was nice it was nice to see I, I liked it very much and I think that's why I'm taking this movie from what would probably be a three which is a for me and enjoyed while watching but wouldn't watch again up to a four because I liked her in it so much. Bruce Willis is good. I don't think I've ever really seen too many movies with Bruce Willis that I didn't enjoy. Uh, I think the key to him being in movies is not to have him 100% serious. He has probably one of the best smirks. He's probably the world's greatest smirker. Ooh, that's be a good title, too. How about this for the title of this podcast? Bruce Willis colon the world's greatest smirker. That might just beat out the other whatever. I don't... I don't See, look, I don't even remember. Graphicness. That's all I remember. Yeah. Uh, the story... Well, it's an action movie story. So, I don't know how important it is. It's not totally 100% ridiculous, I suppose. Uh, I should just mention that it is nighttime and dark, and I can't see my notes. So, you know... Keep that in mind when I say what the story is involving uh, Bruce Willis, who has retired from the biz, the spy biz, uh, has assassins come after him for the reason that they think and believe he has let loose this bomb in Moscow or some such. So uh, John Malkovich shows up to warn him of this fact. Uh, John Malkovich, very, very good in this movie, also plays a sort of crazy spy dude. Uh, something I, I think I even wrote down in my notes, although I cannot read them because of said darkness, is that this kind of reminds me a little bit in some regards of the Expendables series, just in the sense, well, you got Bruce Willis in both of them, uh, but also in the sense that it's sort of, I don't want to say old, but older than some human beings, people who you may not picture in action movie roles within an action movie, in the roles of action-y people, such as John Malkovich, such as, I suppose, Bruce Willis, because he's, he's kind of old. It's the constantly having a shaved head makes it seem that he's not aging. Because <laughs> as soon as he shaved his head however many years ago, it doesn't really age after that point or it's hard to distinguish his aging. Uh, Helen Mirren as well. She is definitely, well, up there as far as years go. And yet kicking ass and taking names, which is kind of funny because it's always with her, the sort of implication of violence, but you never really see her do any fancy moves or anything, which I think is kind of funny because... uh, to picture Helen Mirren doing, like, friggin' karate chops and hopping all over the room and stuff <laughs> is to picture Helen Mirren breaking hips. So, uh, I like how it's always people just showing up and all the damage is already done, and she's just sort of standing there quietly, which is, uh, I suppose a way around having her break hips. Not all of them the bad guy's hips, some of them being her own hips. Uh, yeah, so what was I saying? Story, um... So then there's chases escaping from the bad guys, bad guys showing up, fighting explosions, uh, did I mention chases? It's, it's all very, very typical action movie stuff. Where it, I think, excels is that comedy. It's not everything's a laugh riot 100% of the time, but uh, it's, it's enough of a comedy skin to make this more appealing to me, and I assume to others, than it would be otherwise. Oh, uh, also, some of the bad guys, and there's a few, end up teaming up with Bruce Willis and team, which, uh, which I liked. Some of them, who are good guys, end up double-crossing and uh, being super, 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 uber bad guys, which uh, I also like. Although you do kind of see it coming, so should I give it away? Let's just say that... And this may or may not spoil it, but I'm not outwardly trying to spoil it. And that is that <laughs> uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins plays a sort of uh, bumbling scientist type who invented said bomb that uh, these assassins and governments believe Bruce Willis has unleashed on Moscow. Oh, okay. Or, O as Buckwheat from The Little Rascals would say. Huh? Uh, yeah, no idea why I said that. But no idea why I say a lot of the things within a podcast that I record, such as this one. It's craziness. It's madcap insanity. It's outsanity. It's halfway in and out sanity. You don't know what it is, but it is over. So... I will say the final thing that I say, which is always the final thing to say, which is, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, maywood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory